How's everybody doing? It has been, as Josh said earlier, quite the week. It's been an awesome week, starting with our youth celebrating last week, right? That was pretty cool. And actually, it was the youth that kind of started what's going to be taking place today a little bit. It's really cool. Um, so many of them shared kind of a highlight for them started with a message preached by Tom Richter uh, that was talked about the three chairs. Several of them highlighted that. For those of you that weren't with us last week, last week the youth got back from their trip or the high schoolers did and they just testified about what God had done um, in Panama City. 16 baptisms, people, uh, teens made life decisions for Christ. And they talked about a message that um, Tom shared about three chairs. And those three chairs represented, and yes, I know I have four up here. Um, those three chairs represented... Um, kind of different aspects of their life. So teens, what was this first chair? Profession. What? Your profession. Okay. First chair was like your professional, your career. So for students, it was students. Uh, for those of us that have jobs, it was our careers or our workplace. All right. Second chair represented what? Our relationships, our relational life uh, aspect of our lives. And then the third chair represented what? Most important. Our spiritual lives, all right? And so Tom talked with them, and I didn't go back, I didn't listen to the message, I don't even think it was recorded anyway, but Tom talked about the difference between those two, and they really challenged, he really challenged those teens as far as what are they spending the most time building in their life? You know, we just got done singing that song, I Will Build My Life and, um, on Jesus. And a lot of them, basically God used Tom to help them understand and realize that they had been spending too much time building all these other aspects of their lives and not enough time building into their, or investing into their spiritual lives. And so... Um, they came back, shared with us. Uh, Josh and I were supposed to have uh, gone on with our sermon series in Proverbs. And um, it was Tuesday morning, I believe, I was um, actually going through this book. I know you guys have been going through it on Tuesday nights, this Gospel of, of Mark uh, study by Francis Chan that Eric's leading. Um, you guys, maybe some of you don't know this, but I'm actually going through it also. I'm just not coming out on Tuesday nights. Uh, I might pop in every once in a while, but it's been a great study, and God just began speaking to my life, and as I was reflecting about the teens and what took place the last Sunday, I just didn't think where we were headed in Proverbs with marriage and relationships, it fit. And God started just burning this message on my heart as I started thinking about these chairs. And so today I want to talk about four chairs. And so um, let me first of all uh, tell you what they represent a little bit, and um, then we'll go from here. So I'm going to start with this one, and we're going to work that way. Um, so this first one, same kind of thing. This represents our relationships, okay, our relational life, family, friends, uh, girlfriends, boyfriends, whatever, all right? And the second chair represents our work life or our school life if we're students. This third chair represents our, what I'm calling our entertainment life, okay? So like sports, um, 
games, um, electronics, hobbies, all right? You, we all understand that, right? Most of us have one of those, kind of your, your me time, your, your time where you don't have that other stuff going on. And then this final one, which again is the most important, isn't just your spiritual life, but this final chair is going to represent Jesus for today, okay? So this is Jesus. And um, I think as we go through these four chairs, I want to talk, first of all, about three different types of responses to these chairs that we see in life, all right? The first response is this. So some people, I mean, Jesus isn't even in the picture at all, right? I mean, he just... They just don't believe. They're either atheists or they serve that chair is, is, is represented by some other religion or some other belief system other than the one true real God. Okay, so they are busy doing this life. They don't even have a thought about Jesus. They don't believe in him. They don't know him. Um, or they're wrapped up in so many other things he's just not even thought of, right? We see that in people's lives around us, don't we? They just give no thought to Jesus, even though he did what he did for them, okay? So that's one group's response. The other group response is probably um, very familiar to a lot of us. We can probably relate at least at one time in our life, and really this is the probably the general response of American Christians, and that's this. So Jesus is part of my life. In other words, part of the time I am with Jesus, I believe in Jesus, and then part of the time I'm at work, or I'm married, or I have a relationship with my kids. All right, this is the relational one, isn't it? All right? So um, I, I'm, in, I'm involved with relationships, okay? And then part of the time, some of my life is, is, is going to school or going to work, all right, my job, providing income. And then some of my life is playing golf, going boating, going fishing, playing games, whatever, entertain, watching TV, um, scrolling through Facebook, all right, your me time, right? Okay, so here is the difference. So um, I want to talk about this relationship life in just a minute. And Eric, I actually, I think I got this wrong, so put up the second picture first. Okay, very good. So, um, I want to start by talking about, uh, and then this is going to be, this, this is the general response that people kind of have um, with these four chairs. And that is this, the general one is all four of these chairs are part of our life. And so, what happens is, if we leave Jesus out of our relationships, I've used this picture of a roller coaster kind of define what relationships can look like. Now, some of you might be thinking, huh, they look like that with Jesus too. Um, and we're, we're going we're to talk about that in just a minute. But for the most part, if we leave Jesus out, in other words, if Jesus is just part of our life and we do not bring him into our relationships, we're going to have a, a, it might seem like a fun ride at times, but we're not going to be very secure. It's going to be full of ups and downs. All right? So that roller coaster, just kind of have that thought. Um, all right? And these are all kind of rides we, 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 we take a ride in. Okay? All right. So the second, you can now go to the third picture. Your third picture. 
Yeah, remember those? If you grew up in the 80s and 90s, you remember those things, don't you? So this picture symbolizes our work life or our school life. Let me tell you why I chose that. Because it's just monotonous. You just get wrapped up. It's the same old merry-go-round, carousel. You clock in, you clock out, you go to school. I mean, just same thing about every day, right? Most of us have jobs that are like that. Now, some of us have jobs where it's a little bit not so uh, monotonous, but most of the time, it, it, it's, it's just like a merry-go-round, and you do it long enough, it, it almost wants, wants to make you sick, right? <laughs> I mean, it just anyone ever get sick on one of those things? Um, I have been there, believe it or not. It's not real fun. Um, that was a long time ago. But anyway, okay. Thirdly, so this is our entertainment life. And this is like being in a race car. And so, um, it's, uh, that, you're like, that's fun, right? I mean, this is why we do this stuff in our life. This is why we play games, we, we play sports, we watch TV, we go to movies, we have our favorite hobby because it's fun, Right? So here's my point with this. It's only really fun if you're winning, right? If we spend all of our time and we ignore those other chairs, especially the Jesus chair, and we're so caught up in our entertainment, it's fun for a while until you start getting beat. So some of you can relate to the sports. Sports are fun. If you lost all the time, though, it kind of, the fun wears out. I was talking with someone just the other day about um, Clash Royale on our phone. And I was waiting at Casey Summers. I was playing this game as I was waiting for my oil change. And he comes up to me and introduces himself. He's like, man, I used to play that all the time. I used to play that so much that I got so good. And then I started getting beat. And then I started getting so mad and frustrated. And, and I just I had to stop playing. I'm like, man, thanks for sharing that. So we just talked a little bit. And it's the same thing true. I mean, I hear my son, oh, are you kidding me? And I don't know, he might hear me at times too, but you play something long enough and you start losing and it's not as fun anymore, right? Okay, here's my ultimate point today um, that I really want to make. So you can rule Jesus out. You can have Jesus just be part of your life and try to go through these other lives uh, Separately, or go, now you go back to that first picture. So this is, anyone know what that is? That is a high-speed train, rail car system. I've never been in one, but here's the cool thing about it. this: this train can go like 250 miles an hour, yet it's smooth. You ride one of these trains; it's so smooth, unlike a roller coaster. I mean, like dinner can be served up on. I mean, they, they serve up some food on this train. And it's just smooth. You can eat. You can fellowship. Here's my point. With this kind of system, when you have Jesus not just being a part of your life, but when Jesus, you recognize that he is your life, this is what life now looks like. Okay, so let me quickly go back. Look at these chairs. So when Jesus is just a part of your life, life looks like this for some of us. Hey, babe, how's it going today? Oh, it's going great. Oh, how's work? Work to Got to go to work tomorrow. Oh, wait a minute. I got golf league with Josh. 
And then I'm back home for dinner. Oh, I got called out to the hospital. Someone's in the hospital. I got to go to work. Oh, it's Sunday. Whew. Sunday is Jesus Day. And then we run back and forth, back and forth. And some of you are running so far and so fast back and forth here. You can't wait to Sunday because Jesus is just part of your life. And you get Jesus on Sunday. But it's, isn't that madness? Isn't it craziness? So when Jesus is just part of your life, that's what life looks like. I mean, we're just running back and forth and back and forth. And guys, God didn't send Jesus for him to be part of your life. He is life. He is the way, the truth, and life. So this is what life looks like with Jesus. If you get into not just going to church on Sundays, but I'm going to take Jesus with me in my marriage. And in my relationship with my kids at home, I don't have to leave my Jesus chair to go spend time with my relationships. When I go to work, guess what I do? I take Jesus with me to work, right? Now, I might not do spiritual work. I might not sing worship songs with a group of people at work. You might not either. Well, actually, I do. You, but most of you don't get that opportunity to do that. But you can still take Jesus with you to work, all right? And guess what? Even in your entertainment, where we like to leave Jesus out, let's take Jesus with us because we've recognized that he's our life. And so everywhere we go, we just take Jesus. Jesus goes with us, right? That's what life in Christ looks like. Too many times, though, we want the reward. We want heaven. We want eternal life. We want what Jesus can give us, but we don't want the work it takes to get there. Now, I don't mean earning salvation. I'm not talking about that. But following Jesus isn't easy when we try to do it on our own strength. I think Mia referenced last year or last Sunday that the yoke, but when we take on the, when we yoke up with Jesus, it's not egg yoke, by the way, right Mia? Where's Mia at? She might be helping, serving. Jesus says, my yoke is easy, my burden is what? Light. And so when we're taking Jesus with us to these places, that's our experience. It's like a, a high-speed rail chain. I mean, Jesus can serve up some food. You know, you don't have to get food and drink from Jesus just on Sundays. If you have a relationship with God through Jesus Christ, every time you open your Bible, let me tell you something. Jesus can serve up a menu of his word. It's life. And you know what? You don't have to be at church on Sunday. You can be with your fan, family. I mean, it's, it's smooth riding. If you need to get somewhere quick, you can get somewhere quick. It's not always fast moving. Those rail trains, when they got a lot of stops along the way in town, I'm sure it's slower paced. Can you imagine being on a roller coaster and trying to eat a meal? That would be hilarious. And so many of us are so consumed with our relationships, we say we know Jesus, but we're not getting any kind of food from him, and our lives are like a roller coaster, they're a wreck, and they're just, they're unsafe, and you can't even, 
You can't even hear from God because you're so consumed by relationship that God didn't mean for you to have number one in your life above him. You can have other relationships. He just needs to be first. He wants you to bring him with us. Can you imagine serving up some food on a merry-go-round? That's what so many of us try to, we try to, we say we have Jesus, but we keep Jesus just a part of our life. And so we go to work, we go to school, spin around the circle and, and no food, no energy because we haven't been in our Bibles. Race car, same thing. I just don't think you can do it. All these, all these different cars, all these different parts of our life will take us somewhere take us somewhere. But this one is a lot more smooth going. It really is. It doesn't mean circumstances around us won't happen. Right? Uh, there can still be all kinds of storms of life, but when you're in the real car with Jesus, what does he promise? Peace. Maybe not in your circumstance around you, but internal peace. Jesus said, my peace I leave you. Not as the world gives do I give you peace, but I give you peace. Jesus said, uh, my joy in you shall be full. The devil comes to steal and to kill and to destroy, but I have come that they might have life and have it to the full, have it abundantly. No matter where we're at, if we have Jesus and we take him with us everywhere we go, we can have love, life, peace, joy internally. It doesn't matter what's going on around us. There's protection here, like being on that real car. Isaiah prophesies in the book of Isaiah, and I don't know the exact reference. You can look it up, but he talks about a road, a highway. It's called the highway of holiness. John the Baptist kind of came as that person that Isaiah prophesied about, who was to be the one that, that shouted out in the wilderness, was in the wilderness, make paths, make, prepare your hearts for the Lord. And it talks about him, him, him crumbling mountains and, and making the road smooth. Not because circumstances of life don't happen around us, but we have this inner confidence, this peace, this joy. Let me, let me share some, some scriptures um, this morning that kind of will relate back. The first one's found in, in Psalm. Pull up that first one if you would, Eric. Thank you. How joyful are those who fear the Lord, all who follow his ways. Now, let me just stop right there for a minute. How joyful are those who fear the Lord. That word fear there, again, is that word healthy respect. I think it was Francis in his book this week, or maybe it was last week, that said, you know, Jesus wants us to be all in. There's no, there's no part way in with Jesus. You're either in or, or you're out. You know, if we're, we're standing on a cliff and Jesus is the ocean and, and we take that leap of faith, you can't you can't kind of jump off a cliff. You either stay on or you jump in, right? When Jesus came on the scene and he taught some of the things that we've already learned to the book of Mark, we see him teaching in this. He, he wants us to be all in because he was all in for us. 
And so to respect or fear the Lord is to submit to his authority. We want Jesus to take away the consequences of our sins, but we don't want Jesus to take away our sins. And so we think there's this too graceful or extreme graceful of a path that says, oh, as long as I say a prayer, I don't have to worry about how I live. I'm granted eternal life. And that's someone that just wants Jesus to get him into heaven. But Jesus said we are to deny ourselves. We are to die out to ourselves. We are to pick up our cross. We are to follow him. We can't follow Jesus and not follow his ways. We can't submit ourselves to Jesus and then not submit ourselves under his authority. If he is the king of kings and, and we have welcomed or received his kingdom, then he is king. He is Lord. He's the law. He's the judge. We live for him now. Does that make sense? And the Bible says when we do that, when we get that, and I think a lot of us here this morning need to get that. Oh, trust me, I want and I love Jesus because of what he can grant me also, mostly eternal life. But if my desire for Jesus stops there, I don't know that I've really submitted to him as Lord and Savior of my life. And this is what I've grown to kind of believe and start to walk in, and I'm not perfect by any means, but there was one time in my life where I had Christianity. I had Christian beliefs. I believed in God. I believed that Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but I was not following him. I was not being submissive to the way he now instructed me through his word to live my life. Jesus was a part of my life and kind of head knowledge and belief only, but not true biblical belief that says he is king, he is Lord. He wants me to have life now, not just wait to get it then. He doesn't only want to take away the consequences of my sin, but he wants to take away my sin. He wants me to change. He wants me to submit. He wants me to follow. And when we start believing and trusting in God in that way, how joyful are those people. How many of you want joy in your life? Let me tell you, the, the best and only way to get it is to have a healthy respect and submissive attitude to the Lord, follow his ways. It goes on to say, next verse, you will enjoy the fruit of your labor. Work will even be more enjoyable to you as you provide for your family. How joyful and prosperous you will be. Let's talk about our relationships. Your wife will be like a fruitful grapevine flourishing within your home. Your children will be like vigorous young olive trees as they sit around your table. Now, I'm no scholar. Back up for a minute. I'm no scholar, but if we all understood Israel back in the day, grapevines and olive trees had very significant symbolism, and I, I don't really have time this morning to get into all of that, but basically God's just saying, you're going to be blessed. 
because I was tempted to look at it how one of my favorite comedians, Tim Hawkins, would probably look at that, and I can just see him making a joke about this, like, okay, kids, come sit down, it's time to eat. Oh, look at you, you little vigorous young olive trees. Oh, aren't you so cute? Oh, honey, you are like a fruitful grapevine. Flourishing within my home. I mean, I, I don't know. I just saw this whole piece. I'm like, wait, stop. Sorry. I'm just. I'm letting you in on some of my study time that doesn't always, isn't always serious. So, you know, sometimes we can. Josh and I can get really serious up here, and we should. And then sometimes we are like we are. Um, so I just thought, isn't that? But seriously, think about it. vigorous young olive trees. I don't really know what that means, but I do know enough to know God's basically saying. When you do life my way, when you follow my ways, you will be, you enjoy the fruit of your labor, you will be prosperous, you will be successful. How joyful will you be? I mean, your relationships at home, with your spouse, with your kids, they will flourish. Goes on to say this, this is how I know that. That is the Lord's blessing for those who what? For those who fear him, and let me just for our analogy's sake this morning, for those who take Jesus, who bore our sins for us, who took our sins, and we just, we just take him everywhere we go. I'm going to invite him into my marriage. Whether my wife wants to follow or not, I'm going to. That's the decision I made. I have Jesus. Praise God, she has Jesus too, and she brings Jesus into our marriage also. Praise God for that. With my kids, when I go to work, when I go to school, I'm not going to be ashamed anymore. You don't have to be this big-time evangelist, but when someone asks me about faith or about church, I'm going to respond. I'm going to respond with truth and grace. I'm going to be loving about it. I'm going to be joyful about it. I'm going to be confident about it because I know what Jesus did for me, and I know he didn't die for me just so I could one day experience life in heaven. He died for me so I could have life now, have it to the fullest, be prosperous, be successful, be confident, and show the world that he came to take away our sin, not just sin's consequences. Remember the gospel in five words? God, sin, Jesus, repent. Remember that word repent? It's, it's not just belief. It's not just, it's not God, sin, Jesus, I made a decision for Christ, and one day I'll have eternal life. It's God, sin, Jesus, I repent. God has changed my heart. I turn from my sin. I turn away from my sin. I start following Jesus where he leads, everywhere I go. And I can have life now that will last forever. It's not God, sin, Jesus, oh, I'm going to say a prayer so that one day I can have life in heaven. It's God, sin, Jesus, life now because he's made himself known to me and I believe in such a way I'm going to turn away from my sin and I'm going to start following his ways. Now, if or when you're new, you're going to fall down a lot just like you're born the first time. All right? You got to learn how to crawl and you got to learn how to walk and you got to learn how to talk. That's called a process, all right? But if in your head this morning is that Jesus came just to set you free from sin's consequences. I think Satan is trying to trick us into making Jesus just part of our life when he knows that Jesus is life. All right, let's go on and look at another one. That's in Psalm also. 
I said to myself, I will watch what I do and not sin in what I say. I will hold my tongue when the ungodly are around me. I mean, this is intentional effort. This is following his ways. Here the psalmist say, hey, even when I'm around ungodly people, I will hold my tongue. But listen to what he goes on to say. But as I stood there in silence, not even speaking of good things, the turmoil within me grew worse. The more I thought about it, the hotter I got, igniting a fire of words. So I, I'm not sure the exact analogy here, but this is what I'm thinking because I've lived life long enough to know this. So you want to do and say the right thing. You get around some ungodly people and they start carrying on uh, about stuff that you shouldn't be listening to, whatever. Or, or maybe they're just driving your coworkers, driving you crazy and you feel it start to well up inside. But when we choose to be silent, that welling up actually is going to create more turmoil within us, and we're actually going to probably eventually give in to it. And out comes, man, if I'm around people that are gossiping, I'm going to start gossiping with them. If I'm around people that drive me nuts and whine and complain and cry about everything, I'm going to start whining and crying and complain about everything if I'm not taking Jesus with me to my job or to my school. Well, I immediately after I read this, I immediately thought of a verse that Jeremiah said in Jeremiah. It was kind of the opposite, same kind of fire, but different. Listen to this, Jeremiah, I believe it's chapter 20. You have that next one up there? But if I say I'll never mention the Lord or speak in his name, his word burns in my heart like a fire. It's like a fire in my bones. I am worn out trying to hold it in. I can't do it. When you make Jesus your life instead of just a part of your life, here's a, a telltale sign that you've truly submitted to the authority of God over your life. You won't be able to hold back from speaking the word of God in some way, shape, or form. It might be a little mild and modest and just a seed at first. But eventually, if God gets in you and the Holy Spirit gets in you and he starts controlling your life because you're a son or daughter of God now, this ought to be happening. You can't stay silent anymore. But instead of joining in on the gossip, something's going to come out of you like words of life, words of wisdom, words of encouragement, words that look and sound like Jesus. And it's going to make a difference to those around you. So many of our kids talked about influencing their unchurched friends, their friends that don't know Jesus. And this is how it starts. We take Jesus with us where we go. And if they see the change in us, that's only going to raise our credibility when we start talking about them. And they'll want it. They might not want to do some of the things that we do, like go to church or sing or whatever, but they'll start noticing our joy, our love, our words of encouragement, our peace. They'll start seeing that change and wanting that. And then we can say, hey, when we do those things, like read our Bible and go where the church is gathered and get plugged in, that's what brings us peace and love and joy. I think I got one last one here. John the Baptist said this, the next day John saw Jesus coming toward him and said, 
Look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. My challenge to us today is, again, I don't know, if, if you're here and you haven't given Jesus any kind of thought, I pray that today he's made himself known to you in such a way that you start giving him a thought. And not only that you just start giving him a thought, but you start making him your life. Because he is the only one that can give you life now and make it last forever. You're either in or you're out. We're either lost or we're found. Some of you that maybe you have Jesus as part of your life. But where does Jesus fit in when you go on to these other things in life? Do you intentionally, willfully take him with you? Then maybe, maybe you've kind of fallen under the trickery of the enemy and said, hey, just, just go to the altar and say a prayer and you'll be good to go. Just make a decision for Jesus. But Jesus has called us to follow him with all of our heart. And when we do that, we're promised so much now and then. Jesus doesn't just take away the consequence of sin, which is eternal separation, but he takes away our sin now. He gives us power to change now. I mean, I got stuff I got to change in my life. I still to this day am a lot more of a procrastinator than I want to be. I don't think Jesus wants me to be a procrastinator, at least not to the point that I am. I believe following Jesus looks different than my life in that area looks like. I was just taught a lesson this morning about procrastination. I was going to get up early. I was going to go in and I was going to put these pictures and slides in early. Went to the gas station and got in my wife's van. Empty, on empty. All right, I'm going to go fill it up. Um, went to the gas station, filled it up. Got back in the car, went to start the car, nothing. It's dead, totally dead. I'm like, wait, it's, it's just working. What is the deal? Well, we got one of those little automatic, you know, starter things with their fob and stuff. And I thought, well, maybe my battery's out in my fob. And so I had my guitar with me. It's got the same type of battery, put the battery in it. Had Lori come up in the meantime with her fob, nothing, nothing, nothing. 6.15 in the morning at BP, I was going to be here even early because I know the guys got here a little earlier and I was just going to help them out and I was going to get stuff loaded up before I even did worship kind of stuff. My brother pulls up, same gas station just to get gas. I never see my brother, hardly ever, um, because we're both busy going so, so many places, let alone the same gas station at 6.15 in the morning on a Sunday. He pulls in, so I'm like, he's like, what's going on? I'm like, well, I just kind of let him know what happened. He says, oh, someone at work, that just happened the other day. All they said they needed to do was just unplug the battery, um, uh, unhook it for about five, ten minutes, and hook it back up, and then they said it was good to go. I mean, Lori and I, at this time, we're looking up tow places, you know, on a Sunday morning. I got to get to church to put in my stuff because I procrastinated. But God is so good and so graceful. My brother shows up, literally shows up, goes home, gets one tool, a crescent wrench. Just happened to hear that week that some, this happened to someone else and this worked for them. So he goes home, gets that. We unplug it, let it sit. I get in the car with Lori. We wait the five to ten minutes. She's like, give me your hand. Guess what we're going to do? We're going to pray. 
Every, because we take Jesus with us even to the gas station. And even before we have to spend $300 on a tow payment, because that was, that was going to be the next alternative. Hopefully in time where I could still at least get to church and just sing and preach. Get in the car, start, or hook the battery back up. That's a good thing to do. Car starts right up. Now my point is this. No matter where you're at, I never, if you're truly in Christ, don't ever be satisfied. There's more to grow through. More places to go, more to do, more Christ-likeness to take on and to be, more of your old sinful self to die out to. So many people in our world today give in to the comfortableness of living in the United States. We give our lives to Jesus and then we just get way too comfortable for him too. Let's take him with us everywhere we go. And whether it's procrastination or an addiction to drugs, we like to put all these, oh, that's worse than this, and this is worse than that. No, it's all bad news if we're not following Christ. It's living our own selfish ways above his. And if you've truly given your life to Christ, that is your ultimate aim and goal. And you will never, ever be more satisfied in your life now and more grateful when you get to heaven one day. It's going to be so, so worth it. Josh and the worship team is going to come back up. He's going to close us in prayer. However God may be speaking to you today, I pray that you make the decision from this day forward to take Jesus with you everywhere you go. So one of the things that God laid on my heart before you move the chairs is I think some people are even here today. Would you agree? That means that you haven't accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior yet. He's not even on the stage of your life. So today may be the day that you get him up here and say, you know what? I want to come to the altar and give my life to Christ. So we're going to give you that opportunity right now. I'd like for everybody to stand. There's two things we're going to do today, and I hadn't planned on doing this, didn't know exactly what Morty was going to be doing, but um, I think there's two groups of people here this morning, and, and I think those are the ones that have given their lives to Christ, um, that he's on the stage, but we've got him divvied up, right? We've got him divvied up between Sunday and, and our relationships, our professional lives and entertainment. And that group of people, just like these teens, and God spoke to me in such a powerful way last week that um, it's time for all of us to be all in. Wayne's got a shirt on this morning. I think there's a few others out there on the back of it, right down the middle of his spine. It says all in. So I feel like today God has spoke to some hearts. And if you're not all in, if you've accepted Jesus as your Lord and Savior, but you're not all in, you're not taking him with you everywhere you go and praying at the gas station when things go wrong, I want you to come forward this morning. I want you to come forward and publicly rededicate your life. That's my prayer for you. So at this time, if God has spoke to you this morning and you know that it's time for you to elevate 
your relationship with Jesus and be all in and have him in every area of your life, I want you to come over here this morning. I want you to move right now. If that's you this morning, if you know that it's time for you to step it up and rededicate, be all in, give him everything, take him with you everywhere you go, I want you to move on this side. I want you to come to this side this morning if you've not given your life to Christ yet because that is the greatest decision that you'll ever make in your life. Right? Get him up on the stage. Bring him into your life and we'll make room wherever it is, stand and sit and wherever you want to be. So if that's you this morning, you've been coming to church, you've been trying to figure out who Jesus is, and it's time for you to give your life to Christ, I pray that you would come over here on your left-hand side. We're going to sing this song, and we're going to worship and praise God, and then we're going to pray for these two bodies, these two groups that are going to be up here. So let's do that this morning. Father God, right now, I pray you'd move in the hearts that are here, God. If it's time for them to make a public display to you to come forward and give their lives to you, or a public display to rededicate their lives to you, God, and take you with them everywhere that they go, to, to take their personal relationship with Jesus to a whole new level, to be all in, God, I pray you'd move in their, in their hearts and their feet right now. God, I encourage you to help them to take that first step, because we know you're going to take everyone after that. God, I pray this in your son Jesus' name. Amen.